Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for th- those who prefer a visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens at our Tez wallet address, waiting to sign.tez, or our ETH address, waiting to sign.eth. And of course, the best way you can support the show is by collecting the FX text article that accompanies each episode. It is a great way to follow along with the great art and other references that we discuss. Trinity, episode 54, how's it going? Crazy that it's 54. It's I remember when we were in the 30s and I was like, ooh, we're almost to as old as we are. Yeah, right. <laughs> and now it's like way past that. Way past. There's no turning back now. No, we can't undo time. Not yet. It was a super big week. I'm trying to think if there's any personal stuff that we should chop it up about or if we should just jump straight into the news. I think we can probably jump straight into things. I, I think that the news is also part of our personal life. In a way. <laughs> the FX hash slash, I guess now art blocks is our, our personal life now. Uh, is a firm 20% of our lives somewhere around there. At least. Sorry, job. <laughs> it's okay. We get things done. At least you do. I'm on leave now, so I get oh, right. things done. I do <laughs> okay. have to submit all of my performance review stuff that I have not started by end of day to day or else I don't know what happens. I guess your performance doesn't get reviewed, Just but you probably good. want that. No, you probably I definitely want that. want that. Too much of my salary is riding on end of year performance bonuses. So oof, no pressure. Best of luck. <laughs> Thanks. Well, let's do some news then. Let's start with some of maybe the smaller things, because obviously the Cure 3 exhibit yesterday huge. was huge, and we'll probably want to devote a little bit more time to that. But I guess we'll start off with something from me. I traded for another Contra. This is the second Contra that you've traded for, and you bought one straight up from the marketplace, right? The one I bought from the marketplace, I was just looking at it earlier this week, and I think I got it at this point 10 months ago. It was like 249 Tez back when Tez was probably four bucks or something, so... I'm slightly up on that one, <laughs> but not as much as you might think in USD. And then, yeah, what was it like two months ago that week that slumbers came out? I traded three slumbers for that busy black Contra. And now this week I traded a Foundations by Florian Zumbrun and then two Kim Asendorf pieces of reading a book and a Transactions plus a thousand Tez for a nice medium busy, I would call it gold background piece that was listed on the floor at the time. That individual was definitely looking for Tez as part of the deal to stack up on liquidity for the Cure 3 exhibit this week and also for like art blocks, right? Because we had iRyan Bell this week. So it was actually perfect because that's what I've been trying to do. I had put some feelers out to people for a mixed Tez and tokens trade and finally found one. So very excited. Just need a white one now. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. I think there, there's some white ones close to the floor so you can trade back up into those again. And actually just looking back, because I couldn't remember how many slumpers you had traded for your second Contra. It was three. Yeah. And looking at that trade now, because I was unsure about that, but honestly, at this point, fantastic trade with slumbers having a floor price of 475. We still see slumber. Like even this week, we saw a bunch of slumbers moving and a lot of them moving above floor. So, I mean, I still like that project a lot. I think it's yeah. really good. It was a borderline project for our index list, which we'll introduce a little bit later. We're still tracking it. At that point, And I think still now, like I'm kind of in consolidate and pick up some of this grail stuff while Tez is cheap. 
a lot of that was really informed by doing those USD exercises and seeing where the deals were and feeling like this is a good time to try to get contras, you know? So you hurt me a little bit because of the ones you swept brought the floor up, but that's okay. <laughs> you know. I needed to get mine, man. You have to get yours, of course. So. so yeah, that's the third contra for me. You know, as just mentioned, I, Ryan Bell had his art blocks drop this week, Piper Drive A-side, and there'll be a B-side for that coming probably soonish on FX hash as kind of a companion piece. And that one was interesting because I think it was maybe the first or one of the first pieces on Artblocks to use a reserve list or an allow list function. And he gifted 50 of those reserves to tender pass holders. There's kind of like a first come first serve, throw your ETH wallet in here. That was really cool. I ended up getting one at 0.3 ETH, which was quite a deal because it went out in the Dutch auction at 1.5. Yeah, same. Very cool piece from Ryan. I got a very like psychedelic like neon palette but i've actually sold it so i should say i don't have it anymore <laughs> you had it and I, had it. I have to say that you know looking at some of these the pricing and how things went transitioning from eth into tez is it feels good prices are so much higher on eth for the most part although right now the floor and hyperdrive you know will probably get you a floor fragments of a wave but you know that's trading a non-curated art blocks project for one of the top tier grails on fx hash so it's pretty crazy Pretty nice. So, I mean, my my logic was I wanted to hold and see, of course, like what happened in the Dutch auction and see if the piece blew up. Like there was some good opportunities to sell actually. Before that started. Yeah. With the reserve list, you're able to mint like about 24 hours before. So there were some offers. I think the highest offers we saw are the highest sales were like 1.9 ETH before the Dutch auction. So obviously in retrospect, that would have been at least in the near term, the best time to sell. I ended up taking an offer for 1.1 ETH and then pay myself back some ETH that I owed myself from something a few months ago, and then converting the rest to Tez, which I needed after I shipped that thousand for the Contra. I'm still holding mine. I think there were some some ability, even over just the last 24 hours, to accept offers at 1.2. But you know, just being away from the computer or just you know thinking too slow, the offer price is down to 0.8. So I missed my chance to exit, but I'm very happy to hold this. There's a chance that uh, holders of side A will be on the reserve list for side B. I guess we'll have to see how that is going to be confirmed as well across different blockchains, but we'll see. I think we saw a preview image from Ryan Bell for what side B might look like. It's leveraging some AI component as well. Yeah. And I thought it looked really rad. More Ryan Bell on FX Ash. Can't complain. Won't complain. Very cool that he's doing this like dual chain release, giving reserves to people on Tez to get them to come over to the ETH side and mint his work there and giving them a price that's more Tez-ish, <laughs> you know, like 0.3 ETH is on the higher side for sure of like the minting experience, or at least, you know, the non-charity minting experience on Tezos. Now he's going to push people hopefully from ETH over to Tez because I assume, you know, the bulk of these probably went to people who are Artblocks fans more than FX Hash fans. So that'll be interesting to see. He's not the only person from FX Hash going to Artblocks. Obviously, that has been the trend for quite a while now with FX Hash artists switching over to ETH or, you know, coming back and forth. It's not a closed, closed garden. But this week, we also had confirmation that the work in progress that Perkwork had been working on is going to be an Artblocks curated project, starting with a price of 10 ETH, which is super crazy. And it'll be re uh, launching about a week from now on January 18th. So in response to that, there's been a little bit of a run on some of his FX hash projects. So if you're holding any of those and aren't listed, might be a good time to get listed. I need to follow my own advice. I'm currently unlisted on everything. 
Yeah, I've actually sold some Scroberts on the way up here, and I have some shifts lift listed a bit higher up. The floor hasn't caught up to them yet. I'm going to definitely try to catch the wave if it comes. 10 ETH starting price, and this is 400 editions, so twice as many as Ryan. It's a very different piece. It's super cool. You know, We talked about it, I think, last week or the week before. You know, A little bummed that my shift pass is going to have no value at all here, but... I guess we'll just keep holding and see, you know, if, if this goes crazy, then having that shift pass for whatever next piece comes to FX hash should be valuable. I mean, definitely no regrets. No regrets. But I love this project, the harvest. So yeah. Excited to see what it does. Doubt we'll be able to get them. I don't think it's going to go down into like the point two, you know, this is a curated piece. So I would assume it's going to be a bit higher up in the Dutch auction, but I guess I, I don't, we'll I don't even out. know what basis I have to assume that because we're not our block experts yet. So, <laughs> all right. Do you want to talk about Cure 3? No, I think we should just skip it. No, no, you can't. You tweeted, you know, you made some big moves. So for anyone who somehow wasn't here yesterday, uh, we had five huge drops on FX Hash as part of the Cure 3 curated exhibit. All the proceeds or the bulk of the proceeds going to Parkinson's research. So we had Anna Lucia with Action System, Lunarian with Element, Nat Sarkissian with Eucalyptus and Sagebrush, Marcelo Rodriguez with All That Remains and Yazid with Step by Step. And then two other pieces that were, uh, there was like uh, one from Iskra and then I forget who the other artist was launching on ETH. So big cross chain thing. We raised over $200,000, like not just Tez, but like dollars for the charity. And people were going nuts collecting this art often at the top tier of the Dutch auction. Yeah. Which one do you want to start with? Well, I mean, I think I first, before we get into it, I also wanted to say that this is not just an NFT auction. It was NFTs being sold and they're also with traditional art pieces, painting, sculptures and what have you. And so it really kind of represented like this merging of worlds. And I think it's, you know, that's something that FX Hash has been driving towards, right? Avoiding explicitly NFT events and driving more towards art events. I think it's just more legitimization in this space when you know we're thinking about generative art within the broader context of the art world so that's super cool to me maybe we can just do these in the order that they were minted that sounds like a good way to do it so you know you minted the first one so let's hear about it yeah so action system by anna lucia it was only 50 editions and top tier price of a thousand tez it went out at 1000 tez we were talking about this while i was in the queue waiting to come out and i think it's a bit of a polarizing piece compared to you know some of the other projects that were there just because it is way more abstract it is very different from Anna Lucia's other work with the exception of the uh, the color palette usage but there's something about it that when you dive in and you zoom in and look at the details it's not just like arcs floating in space or just pure vector graphics there's a lot of nuance and subtlety to the way that everything is constructed and the fact that you can continue to cycle through and regenerate infinite outputs is really awesome. There's just something about this piece that speaks to me. It's the colors, it's the line work. No, I agree. It is, you know, there's there's a lot of projects that we see on FX Hash that are like colorful lines and arcs and, yeah. and trying to form these abstract expressive pieces. And I think Anna Lucia definitely hit here in a way that like the average project that's trying to execute this doesn't. And that's probably partially due to her palettes. And you minted an absolutely fire one in number yeah. 12. But also, yeah, just like the movement and then the design in the actual code, it does feel more human. I also like a lot of the implied off-screen action that's mm -hmm. coming here too, right? With the way a lot of the arcs are breaking out. 
I think it's also cool how you can cycle through and within your token, just keep generating more and more different pieces. And it was like that part of it, though, that made me a little bit like, why is this 50? Like if every piece can be, you know, you hit R and you get a new randomized output, clearly the algorithm is robust and 50 just felt too artificially low to me in a way. And maybe there's reasons for that. Like maybe that she thought that was the best way to get the most money for charity or honor the collectors. I'm not sure. But to me, it just felt like this could have been a lot more. And you know me, I'm always like, I'm always an addition size maxi. I know you are. Yeah, this could have gone really far. I mean, even just maybe expanding some of the palettes. And, you know, there are some of them that are really nice. I know that you like mine a lot, which is number 12. Le Monde minted number 14, which I think is also like incredibly powerful with like, I think more of the juxtaposition of the blues and the greens in there, because that's a color combination that I love forever Mm. and forever, not just for Magic the Gathering, but also just in my (laughs) own uh, visual life. And then number 22, which it's very uh, compositional, I think, with just the way that there's this really strong single pink line that kind of traces itself around the screen. It stands out to me as well. I really like this project. I meant to two, actually. I don't know why. I just hit that mint button again. This is the problem with having a lot of Tez. You know, you can just click mint. Yeah. I don't know. I don't regret it. It definitely is a lot of liquidity, but that's okay. The interesting thing about this one going first and that was a dynamic I think no one knew how it would play out. It was like these were all kind of ordered, staggered 20 minutes from each other. So one would basically finish before the next one started. You can kind of imagine progressively there'd be like less and less liquidity from collectors, right? After each one. It's really interesting to see that half of these are listed right now. Yeah. I guess for whatever reason, maybe because it was limited or just because there was so much hype around this entire event, went in hard on this project at the top tier, I guess with the expectation of getting a quick double up or more which isn't necessarily unreasonable, but also like, you know, it's a little bit hard for people to come in and immediately pay 3K Tez for one of these when they have Lunarian and then Nasser Kassian and, and Marcelo coming up right after. So for all of these, I think it'll be interesting to see how the secondary continues to play out like over the coming weeks and months. This one definitely has had the least secondary performance out of all of the drops uh, that came out on FX Hash with only four sales so far. We'll see what the longer term play is there. You know, I think we're going to talk a lot about flippers slash botters slash speculators a little bit later, but it is worth it to say that this particular drop was incredibly gassed. Over 2,300 gas was spent on the project overall and putting out 265. Somebody gassed 150 twice. I managed to get through with zero gas twice. So I have not looked up the gas for the other drops yet. But just to kind of see how that played out, especially with the ones that are slightly larger edition. Yeah, that's going to be a narrative we talk about in trends, this tool assisted minting, presetting gas and and nodes. You know, I guess those tools are only as powerful as the brain behind them. So if you're using them with the intent of flipping uh, with that advantage, but you're not targeting things the right way, you're overestimating the gas, like you can very easily go broke (laughs) using that stuff. So yeah, I guess caveats abound. But yeah, let's move on to the next one, Element by Lunarian. This was a piece I really, really liked. I, maybe it's because I've been like looking at Loom so much too, and I just saw mm-hmm. some similarities in the textures and some of the colors here. And you know, who doesn't love a good grid project on FX Hash? This one also went out at the. Did it go at the top tier or did it second go out just tier? Below? It second went tier at two fifty. Yeah. Obviously great, right? I thought this piece was super cool reading that second paragraph of like how it's made with this Markov chain process, taking a snapshot of the grid and then using that to, I guess, inform the progression of it. It seems like that might be a novel approach to creating one of these chopped up grids. I think the colors are great. The hand-drawn texture is really, really nice. 
this is one I almost considered minting, but then I kind of thought, you know what? I think I'm going to wait and see how the secondary plays out and decide. Yeah. And maybe get one I definitely like. It's almost to mint price. You know, floor is at 279 This is one of the ones that's on my list to kind of check in four weeks from now. This is one of the ones where there are features, there are different palettes, and being able to kind of find the ones that you like. Um, I really like the Mythology palette, which is, you can see it on um, mint number four. Yep. Again, blues and greens, just very special. Same. I was just looking at number 213, which is listed for 310 Tez. It's wide margin, though. There's a lot of empty space around it. If there was one that was like constructed like this, but with narrower margins, that would definitely be like exactly the type I'd want to go for. That is one of the interesting things about this project is that there is so much space on a lot of these Mm -hmm. and that's something that you talked about with loom last week is the like narrow margin to no margin so that's a really cool one i guess the biggest winner of the five of them so far in you know less than 24 hours from the auctions has been eucalyptus and sagebrush by nat sarkissian i think everyone saw this one and thought it was really cool but i'm not sure anyone believed that it could go out at the top tier. And I even saw some people thinking that it might not go out at the bottom tier because the pricing here was so much higher than a lot of the floors of Nat's other work. So kudos to him for like pushing and, and going for it and trying to get as much for charity as possible because it minted out at 750 Not as super gassy. Not very much gas was used on this drop. But yeah, I mean, I think that looking at these, this was probably the obvious winner. I think we were our trepidation around might this not meant out or not our trepidation, but the market's trepidation was more around that uh, addition sizing. And it's definitely the best performing, you know, it's well over double mint at this point, And I think only going up from here. It feels like it. There's only 35 listed, only 28 sold. So only a quarter of them, you know, a little more have gone on the market at all. So people who minted them, some people were able to mint multiple. There's a lot of juice on this project right now. I'm here. I'm seeing a lot of comparisons to like art blocks pieces and you know it's it's the new grail you know as far as for me i don't usually like trees i really like how this one executes on the landscape i i love how nat is taking his kind of like the similar tricks that we've seen for some of his other stuff in particular california hills of like watching it animate down but instead mm-hmm. of doing it in the photo photo real way which i think you prefer cuz i know california hills is still your favorite but now executing it in a way that's like more impressionistic brushstroke on meta, I would describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, I think one of the things that I always always turns me off about a lot of the landscape tree projects is how cookie cutter they can feel in the trees and the little flowers and things like that. And this one feels so much more generative to me. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. like actually true or if that's just like a really good, that just means that the algorithm is executing really well, but just something about these feel a lot more emergent and interesting than how I normally feel about these projects. So I totally buy that. I think that there's a little bit of something for anybody. And, you know, we've heard from people who live in California and run in the California hills all the time looking at you, Sir for Drew. This is a project that really stands out to like that group of people as well because it feels so familiar and so at home. And I think that's something that California Hills does really well, playing with like the light and shadow. And that's something that's across reconnaissance too. You're right. I still prefer his previous work. Out of this one, though, I think the black and white ones are really cool. Actually, they're all really good. Like the ones that have like blue, I'm looking at number 100, which is currently listed at 3,250 Tez. That one, you just kind of see like the different colors that the light can pull out if it's at like dawn, for example. And I think that's really cool. There's something about this that makes me feel less than like something like the Ana Lucia. I think that this is an amazing project. 
I wish that the borders were smaller. How do you feel about that? The second you pointed that out to me when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, wait, why is it cropped so far? in? I mean, that's the type of thing where I don't know if you would notice it on a print necessarily because mm-hmm. you know, once you print it and mat it, you can kind of frame it more closely around the piece. But as a thumbnail, it does feel like that empty space is a little bit just that, just empty, and it's it's not really clear why. I like the pink and green ones. What's this palette called? Oh, these have no features. Okay. But like mm-hmm. number two, 126, for example. I think that those are some of the ones that people like a lot, maybe more sunsetty vibes. I also like the black and white ones. It's just a really good project. Like 161. There's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like art blocks is, if they haven't come calling already, it's got to be on the schedule for later this year at this point. His other projects on FX Hash have also seen a bit of a, a run up as well. Like Artifact went from something like a nine or 15 test floor to one that's over 100. I think that's seen the biggest increase. And then obviously Bardez as well has seen so much movement over the a last three week. or 400 or something. Yeah. Yeah. We sold one. <laughs> the one, one on the that way was up. gifted. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's why we had it listed. You know, that's a donation. We got to keep moving here. Okay. Uh, we got two more to do. So the next one in the in line was All That Remains by Marcelo. This one was probably the most conceptual of them. Yes. I would say. I mean, Anna Lucia is conceptual too, but this one is just like, whoa, on what's theme. even going on here? Yeah. And this is, I guess, kind of like, we didn't really talk about the piece that much because we had no opportunity to get it. But at Bright Moments, Mexico City, he did a 3D piece, I think right? Mm -hmm. This new direction that Marcelo is kind of going in. Now he's brought it over to FX hash here for this release. Only a hundred editions. It didn't go out at the top tier of a thousand. I'm sure there were some mints there, but it sold at 875, the second tier down. Just like crazy experiential 3D space that's like dissolving and reforming. And sometimes you'll get an angle that doesn't even look like you're in the room anymore. And then you'll turn and sometimes it feels like you're outside of the room. It's just, I don't even know how to describe this one. And I guess for the sake of the time, of time, we we shouldn't try. But it's cra- It's like a really, really crazy piece. And it's worth letting yeah. it load in your browser and then playing with some of the instructions and seeing what it does. I haven't actually had the chance to play around and like explore it. I've mostly been toggling on like the distorted worldview versus like the focused worldview, which the artistic statement for this project, I think, is really powerful and really speaks to the cause of what is it like for people with Parkinson's. I mean, I think that the connection there is one of the best things about the piece. Mm-hmm. This new mar- direction from Marcelo, it does feel very like Peter Pasma-y in a way. Like obviously yeah. I can't tell if it's using similar functionality, but just like the way that things shape and form with all the millions of dots. It also reminds me of Victor Doval, who's someone who's mm-hmm. released like a lot of very cool, like spatial work like this that has a lot of these kind of like dissolving, like hazy edges kind of elements. Um, I'm thinking back to like one of his very earliest releases on the platform. Yeah, the place where we were. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, you know, the success of this piece from Marcelo and maybe bring a little attention to some other, because there are people who, who have put out really, really cool 3D projects also on the platform who've just never gotten the love. And so go check yeah. that one out. We'll put it in the yeah. notes, of course. I want to make sure that this goes into the notes. And number 20, which was purchased by Iskra, mm-hmm. it is the best. It is so good at just showing what this algorithm can do. It's very different from the rest, but you know, there's these waves of gradient reds and Mm. it just looks awesome. Everything else is very structure based and there's usually like this block in the middle and this one is much more abstract and absolutely bonkers cool. Put in the notes. 
Okay, so last one from the Cure 3 exhibits, step-by-step by by Yazid. And perhaps being last here had a little bit of an effect on the Dutch auction. It was 200 editions starting at 800 and going all the way down to the bottom 150, although a good chunk of them minted out above there. I personally grabbed one at 260 and considered going back for a second one, but then decided, you know, I'll try my luck at 150 with no gas. That didn't work. The second half of them just went out with 150 in gas. So very, very cool piece from Yazid here. Matisse inspired in the colors and the shapes. It also kind of has that like screen printing thing that I know that you sometimes enjoy. I personally feel like I got a good mint, so I'm happy. Number 84 was mine, which is a Mondi powder, a Mondrian with the yellows and the reds and the blue. I was liking these when he was showing them on Twitter. I didn't know that they were for this event. And it just kind of felt like a bargain getting one so cheap. I think this project is really good. I missed the mint. I had to step away after the first couple of these drops. But, you know, some of the ones that are pink, NFT Economist minted number 171. I love the pinks. I love all of that that comes through with the Gestalt or Gestalt palette. Gestalt palette, yeah. Right now, this is a little bit, it's doing well in the secondary, but it's going to go on my list to maybe pick up later. Yeah, I mean, they're floating right around the second tier pricing where I minted them. So I feel like this one, Lunarian, both have really good chances of being bargains. I actually didn't look closely at the floor of all that remains, but just considering how, you know, how accurately priced these Dutch auctions were, I feel like there's going to be, if you miss the mint, a lot of opportunity to pick up pieces at or around mint price with the exception of the Nat piece, at least for now. Yeah. Really cool event. They got a ton of Tez out to charity by setting the Dutch auction so high, they really minimized the amount of gas used, I guess, with the exception of Ana Lucia, maybe. That one just feels like a huge success story for the platform, success for the artists. The art was fantastic across all participants. So where do you find fault with this? It's just a great event. No fault. I think that the mints could have, or the projects could have been put into the queue a little bit earlier, just so mm. that we had more time to explore and get hyped. But it was already pretty hype. Well, you know, marketing has never been the strong suit of anything FX hash. So yeah, no. it, would have, it would have been great to know about this maybe a month in advance. So people had time to organize liquidity and get more excited. But we're increasingly getting the sense that all the stuff just comes together very, very fast. So it just feels like that's often not going to be the case. Maybe we should move to favorites first. I think that our topics are very... You want to do them at the end? Maybe we do bot season with the drops. Okay. But what's our donation, Trinity? So we got one donation this week from notorious and terrible flipper, J. Riley Key, aka OTM. And that was an Obscurum, which was a big project, I think a month or so ago. And so it's very happily situated in our wallet. Thank you very much. You absolute scoundrel. Yes, thank you. And uh, also, you know, it was cool to see this week because a lot of people catching up on articles. Saw a lot of articles being minted. So thank you for that. There's still plenty available from past episodes. Maybe I said this already last week, but resolution for 2023 is to sell out one article. That would be awesome. (laughs) Just one. (laughs) Yeah, just one, one one time. Come on, dealer. You want to just jump into some of our... Favorites, or do you want to talk about the index real quick? Let's talk about the index. We don't have to go too in-depth on it, but I guess this is an extension of the USD updates that we were occasionally giving towards the second half of last year. And we've decided to kind of put together the WTBS 30 index. I don't know, name. We'll figure out the name, I guess, eventually. But the goal was to create a basket of like the quote-unquote top 30 projects, not necessarily just by floor and market cap, but definitely taking those things into consideration and track them week to week along with the price of Tez to just see what interesting trends emerge maybe from a more analytical standpoint and less from an anecdotal 
standpoint. So we took our first snapshot on the 8th of January when Tez was 80 cents. We took another snapshot yesterday, the 12th, when Tez was 87 cents. Updated again this morning. Only two weeks of data, so not like a ton of findings to report necessarily. Should we just do our tentative current top 30 so people know what we're tracking? Yeah. Do you want to list them? Or? Yeah, I'll list them. Sure, I was going to let you. I'll, I'll, I'll list I'll them. I'll list them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or we can uh, go back going down in, in order, with Scarden Monoliths, Dragons, Contrapuntos, RGB, Hollow, Ethereal Microcosm, Takata, Fragments of a Wave, Solus, KGM, Tick, Bugged Forest, Small Skull, Art for Walls, Loom, Farb Taylor, Coronado, Take Wing, Asekia, Hashed Cities, Uninhabitable, Hyperdraft, Tender Pass, Graph Me, Tesseract, Sequence, Defrag, Reading a Book, Horizontes, and September. So that's like the current top 30. That would be like the formal index. We're also tracking about another 20 projects that were like kind of on the bubble or things that we had and then moved down because we're still kind of trying to figure out like what we feel is like what we like as a representative of 30 projects. It's a surprisingly difficult exercise. For example, like Hyperdraft, is that the best Peter Pasma project to have on there? It's the original grail, but his newer stuff is more performative. And so we have to kind of make some decisions mm-hmm. like that probably in the next month or so and then lock it in. So so there's a lot of things in flux. We'll just keep kind of checking in on this. The price of Tez has really increased this past week. And so when we're looking at our little heat map of performance, pretty much everything has increased in dollar value. The big exception is ethereal microcosm in art for walls and public spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they saw a huge run up last week. And we're starting to see a little bit of a retracement as people are putting more stuff on the market. We're also tracking percent listed for all of these too. So you can see that, or at least we can see that because we're looking at the doc here, that both of those had increases in their percent listed. I'm just trying to think of, is there any alpha that we feel would be actionable for somebody to take advantage of? Other than the fact that you know some of these projects Tender Pass and reading a book are around 3% listed. Yeah, very low. One of the things I'm going to be looking for over the course of the year is if Tez continues to go up, how does that impact the USD pricing and Tez pricing? You know, we suspect that the Tez decrease over the last year, that art in general outperformed Tez, and we saw Tez floors move up to compensate. Are these Tez floors going to hold? And then as it goes up in USD, are we just going to see like major? dollar value appreciation, or are we going to see Tez floors start to undercut and compensate back the other way? So that that's a trend I think we're looking to catch and capture here one way or the other. We'll see if we can find a way to kind of publish this in a read-only way, just to let everybody else check in the numbers for themselves. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that feels like something that maybe you need to hold a certain number of articles to access. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we'll figure something out. All right. So yeah. should we just move into favorites? And I guess as we're talking about the remaining projects of the week, we can also talk a little bit about botting and this latest trend, <laughs> unfortunate <Yeah>. trend. <laughs> Let's do it. You go first. You actually have a real favorite. I just have pickups. Okay. Yeah. So my real favorite of the week was Proto Alphabet by X0Y0Z0, an artist that we've talked about occasionally in the past. I'm trying to think of like what were some of their, maybe like Nautilus Blueprint was a project we talked about when it came out. Definitely some of their earliest work like the polluted water lilies and under the sun Mm -hmm. and they were very early also on some of that impressionistic stuff so they've been around for a super long time on the platform proto alphabet i don't know i just saw this one in the queue i immediately clicked it's just something about the thumbnail itself i was like this is really cool as far as i can understand from the description is kind of trying to play on language so 
there's maybe kind of like an asemic writing thing here. A lot of the arcs and forms are kind of trying to like imply some kind of language. I thought this one was going to blow up. I minted as many as I could. And then I've even grabbed some more in the secondary. To me, something about the way the lines end up working out and like drawing just feels really special, feels really different. It doesn't just seem like a flow feel to me. It seems like there's something really cool going on here. Yeah. I think it's super underappreciated right now. I guess the floor is actually up to like 63. It's slowly yeah. creeping up, but only 31 listed. That number seems to be going down. I like the generic ones. I like the unspecial ones a lot. Like just like the, yeah. the charcoal looks awesome to me. So yeah, I minted three of these and got one of like the three primary palettes. And I think the thing that stood out is that even though some of like the green or the yellows are a little bit more rare, I do think that as you said, the charcoal ones and the red ones as well, which are also rare you get so much more of the texture and like the feeling that comes mm-hmm. through just through like the depth of color. I'm looking at number 14 here, which is red. And there's this giant X in the middle that is just so modeled. There's just a level of detail there that I really like. And then also looking at one of yours, number 19, which is charcoal as well. You're just getting seeing some of that underlying pattern emerge. Like this is kind of silk screeny in a way in that it's imperfect in the way that like it's kind of printed onto the screen to me this definitely passes the like print test would i try to have a conversation about printing these and hanging these <laughs> like at least yes like for me these just feel so cool i mean i feel like 128 was too low but you know this is not like an artist that's necessarily always minting out or commanding high floors so i can understand why they might be more conservative here and it wasn't botted, which was great. So I was able to mint as many as I wanted, and I was able to get some cool ones around the floor. I got a red one that was like on the floor at one point. Yeah, so it was one of the most sick. rare. It was like rarity number six. Yeah, I think you did. You point that one out. Or someone yeah. pointed it out. Yeah, I pointed so that out when yeah. you grabbed it. Yeah. So what did you pick up this week, though? What did you grab? So um, I think the two big pickups that I had this week were uh, Small Skull number six hundred and thirteen which is a black background with a three-tier gradient eyes that goes from blue to green. Perfect. Amazing. Um, I was actually in the middle of a 4 a.m. diaper change. (laughs) And obviously what I do is I check Discord and I saw that this had been listed below floor through the uh, tender icons feed. And, you know, I just immediately went, picked up my laptop, like just to check that it was still there and just bought it at four in the morning. And then proceeded to not go back to sleep because I was very excited. It's a great pickup. A good bargain piece. Yeah. I think Skulls is still something that hasn't seen a big increase over the long term. Like obviously, like our index has only been tracking for two weeks, so we don't really have data. But I think if we were going to track this against what Small Skulls was doing, I don't know, like six months ago, it's trending like not in a good direction. I mean, maybe that's partially due to the move away from PFP projects, but this has been a slow trickle in relation to a lot of the other projects, like just not a ton of movement. I think that there's an opportunity for small skull for people to pick them up and see if the floors keep to keep on lowering. I'm in agreement there. That was a great pickup. It's a super clean one. It's definitely a project that we've seen hit close to a 600 floor when Tez was much more expensive and it's not hard to believe it getting back to that dollar equivalent at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I like this one, so it made sense. The other pickup I had this week was a California hills in the sun, which saw a little bit of a run up with all the the gnat hype this week. I have two. I had a, a spring one, which is in full flower, in full bloom. I have a black and white one. And I got a summer one, which is a little bit more muted and pale, like just dealing with like the extra heat of the California sun. 
for 128 Tez, and the floors have picked up quite a bit since then, so I could sell it if I wanted to, but right now I'm keeping my triptych. We'll see what nice. else happens. Good pickup. Very well timed. <laughs> All right, so top five. These are the top five that aren't the Cure 3 exhibit, right? So yeah, almost all of those were the highest volume. Actually, the one at the top here, Chrysalis, which also dropped yesterday, you said is actually at the top of the volume charts. Is that correct? It's the top of the volume charts. It's had a huge run overnight. And the floor went from about 120, spoiler alert, <laughs> which is where we left it last night, to about 340 this wow. morning, which is a huge increase. And... 271 sales on the secondary. That's a lot. (laughs) We've been super excited about this one, I think, for a while. We've mentioned it at least once, if not twice, in what we're looking forward to segments. As we've seen these, uh, Monotau, like teasing them on Twitter. It's a collaboration between Monotau and Arcilioth, who I don't believe has ever put anything... Oh, no, did put something out a while back on FX Hash, project number 52. So it's been quite a long time. The floor there is pretty high, 225 on that project. It's called Bugs Edition 1. But definitely a project that was on our radar it finally hit just hours before the uh, charity auctions was this one do you think botted yes it was <laughs> um 32 tez only flat price so underpriced a lot of reserves though for people who are holding omega point and um Monotel's other project that the name is escaping me cradle cradle yes somebody was going through and doing some blockchain research and one wallet nabbed 15 or they grabbed 15 across wallets and consolidated into one. So obviously they were taking a bit of a quote unquote risk by spending however much Tez that is on a project, but probably with 15x gas. Even so, (laughs) they they got paid. I was super big on this project when I saw it in um, the queue, just like playing around with it. In the same way that the Marcella piece is so impressive, like this is so impressive for what they're accomplishing, like not only on the code side, but I think also the presence of these, you know, despite looking at them at such a small scale often in the thumbnails, the thing that this really executes, maybe because of the lighting or just the texturing on the piece itself is like, there feels like there's so much scale in these. Mm-hmm. Like they feel enormous to me, even though on my screen, I'm looking at like 10 of them <laughs> in, a, in a grid. They each individually feel so huge. So that was something that immediately attracted me to them. Then there's all these controls. So if you like mint one and the thumbnail doesn't have twists and turns in it and you're like, oh, that kind of sucks. I wanted a corkscrew. Like you can add a lot of this stuff through the controls. If the one you get in your mint or in, in the preview mm-hmm. thumbnail is not like it. But even to me, like the very clean monolithic pieces look super cool. So I minted one. I got through with no gas. And I had one reserve and I haven't listed any yet. I probably need to list one at this point, but I don't know. It just feels like a huge level up as far as 3D work on the platform. It definitely is. Um, I sold mine. I had it listed. So it is what it is. I think I hadn't spent enough time with it because I was still so hyped over the cure drops. But yeah, you're right that this is one that, you know, if you had a digital display, because it also animates, even if you're not playing with the controls, it kind of, it just is. (laughs) Like I can see having like a really tall display and just having it be like this huge presence in your in your space. Yeah. I'm specifically looking at like number 14 right now, which just feels so- like something out of like an alien movie or Dune maybe mm-hmm. where it's it so like sci-fi. Yeah. I was even asking to even say a worm. It feels like a structure. Uh-huh. Um, it is really epic. And I think one person did a lot of the sweeping, so they moved the market. 
I mean, we even saw Cypher getting some on the secondary here. Yeah. Like within that, within which the is, first that's hour a signal. So, which is like, okay, you don't see the name Cypher in the sales feed that often like on, on the buying side. So yeah. he took a, a, a moment to tab over and actually buy something like you got to pay attention. I am surprised at the run overnight. I kind of thought that with all the attention on the um, Cure 3 pieces and this being a 3D piece and being just not traditionally what people go for on FX hash, that this one might kind of just like, you know, if you minted it great, 32, it's probably not going to get back down to 32. I didn't expect it to run into the 300s. Overnight. Yeah. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. Have you been to Dia Beacon? No, actually. Like all those times you I've been to Beacon. Beacon a million times. I've just never been to Dia. The other thing that I really liked about this piece was like it really reminded me of this sculpture or installation they had at Beacon the one time I went there at this point, like three or four years ago. I don't know if it's like a permanent piece there or not, but they had just this huge obelisk sculpture with a ton of texture and stuff. I don't think it was literally made out of stone, but I think it was made to look like it was made out of stone, but enormous, like probably like 10 or 15 feet tall. But the way they had it displayed was it was like recessed into the wall. And so there was like this very hard border around it and this like negative space surrounding the sculpture. And it just really amplified like the scale of it in such a way. And that's kind of like the same vibe I got from this piece like oh like it really reminded me of that time when i saw that sculpture i was like mm-hmm. that is such a and, it, and just like the way they chose to display it, like that's so cool i don't know i thought maybe there's a chance you had seen that one because <laughs> you used to at least like, you used to go up there a lot so next time you got to go it's a great museum it's on the list help me find that sculpture and we can put a picture in the notes perhaps because now i'm curious it wasn't on the, the dia website but maybe there's a picture of it somewhere else okay so moving on to a drop that maybe the bots didn't win so hard on, or maybe took some losses on here, Kima by Collapser Beauty. This is their follow-up to their project from a few weeks ago, Tangentum. 300 editions, a Dutch auction starting at 120, going all the way down to 20. Originally, they had it starting at 60, and they moved those tiers up, and about a third of them or so reserved, it looked like, for holders of Tangentum. And those who held reserves were guaranteed to mint it at 20, which is extremely low. So to me, this was kind of like an obvious stay away in terms of minting, especially at the top tier, because we've seen this dynamic play out over and over and over again, when you're letting such a significant portion of your holders get it so affordably, it's like very, very hard for the secondary to really take off, which can be fine, right? Like that's maybe not always your objective. As you're getting artist. paid on the primary, right? Right. That's you're getting paid in the important. primary. And Collapser did here. People took it at 120 plus gas, but here we are with 117 on the market and the floor, a floor of 99. So people who might've paid 10, 20, 50 gas using a bot are killed on this one. You know, Unless you were lucky and you were one of the people who scored the highest secondary sale of 350, it's hard to imagine many profited here. Just looking at FX2, the average amount of gas that people spent on this or people without a reserve, it was 18.27 gas mm. average, a maximum of 62-ish. And you had to have at least three, which actually isn't that insane in order to get in on a very fast mint. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was one that was very much talked about in, I think, some of the quote unquote speculator communities because it had been such a profitable week so far. And I don't mean to bring in like the bot slash flipper slash speculation slash assisted minting conversation and with this drop in particular. But it really goes to show when you have an influx of liquidity and then you go through and attempt to collect as many as possible to speculate, you know, just how it doesn't really work out. 
the cycle that we've seen in the past, you know, I think in our episode titled Phase Four, <laughs> which is where, you know, you're able to get in and make huge profits on small mints and, you know, eventually just crowding out regular collectors and mentors who are not being assisted, seeing huge profits and then really seeing that dynamic shift over and yep. over again. And I think that we've probably talked about this. You know, this is episode 54. We've probably talked about this. 53 times. times. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. I mean, it, it does feel like people who are approaching collecting this way are not paying attention to like what makes a drop successful. And I think to us, maybe because we make this show, but it just sometimes feels so obvious, like which ones are going to get flipped and fail and which ones are going to get flipped and succeed. And it's always so surprising to me that people are just willing to blatantly ignore the fact that like a third of these were going to people for 20 Tez and gas up and go at 120. And like, they really, you really thought like, oh, I'm going to mint 15 of these or however many and like this is going to go to 500, like you have to have some basic understanding of how the market works here before I think you can operate with that kind of confidence. Tender put out a really good tweet thread about the trend we're seeing right now, which is, you know, we've always had scripted wallets and people who probably wrote their own quote unquote bots, you know, private nodes and able to set gas and, and network together multiple wallets. But now we're seeing more and more like the proliferation of these tools being uh, gated behind some kind of subscription you know, with a pass. So Path did it. Um, Very recently. Funk. Yeah, it was like three or four months ago that they released that pass for the tools. And that even had like some kind of intelligent gas thing that was supposed to read the blockchain and like help gas yeah. you up dynamically. Biker has one now that they already released their pass. It wasn't on FX hash. They released it on object, I think. And there's a new one called Tezos Tools that's going non-free very mm-hmm. soon. It's been in like a beta for the last, I don't know how long, week or so, right? And so it's been fully available for anybody to go and use it. You know, and I think we're talking about their different levels of the, like the assisted minting, right? Like excess funk up until very recently was just look at the gas and we'll make recommendations for what you might need to spend. What some of these later tool sets, like in what the NFT biker one is doing, it's here set up wallets where you give us like the seed phrase so obviously you wouldn't use like your vault wallet you would use something that is there for like temporary transactions mm-hmm. you can set up as many as you want we'll set them up for you concierge yeah like you figure out how many times or how many of a thing that you want to make make sure that you're funded with that amount tap mint once no need to put in your password and so it's it just goes i think the mm-hmm. nft biker one has something where you don't need to be there in order for it to execute i think some of the other ones do require you to be there to kind of tap that mint and this is different from botting which is where like oh i see that zancan just opened up a project because it's monitoring the blockchain let's just go buy it it's a spectrum yeah bot is like a very simple catch-all phrase to basically yeah. describe a behavior that a human couldn't normally perform without these extra tools. It's maybe an an imperfect term. Assisted minting. It's not something that I think either of us are interested in in doing. It doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of collecting art. I guess if you're coming from maybe the PFP, pump and dump, get as many as you can and flip them as quickly as possible mentality, like maybe that's more acceptable or just more understood. Mm -hmm. And obviously like, look, everyone flips, like human mentors, like we flip, you know, we're talking about which ones we're going to list, like what our goal prices are. It's not like it's bad to do that. It's it's more just like when a small number of people are able to monopolize that, it's not necessarily as good for just the sentiment in the community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, like people are not happy about it. And also clearly it's not really accomplishing what maybe these people hope it's going to accomplish, which is big profits. Like you have to be really, really savvy. That's where the number one 
way to combat this is, you know, I think through what people at FX Hash have been saying this entire time, making sure that artists price their projects appropriately. If you're a new artist, you completely understand. It's really hard to understand like what your work is capable of doing. You don't really have a history to back it up. You don't have a following. You don't have people who are interested in your work objectively. And so it, it can be tough. But for yeah. established artists, you know, and we saw this with Kima and I think also one of the other projects on our top five, uh, Trust by Chris McCauley, is that when they're priced high and they get flipped. It can create a perception issue now of like, oh, like Kima's below mint, Trust is below mint. It kind of sucks when the artists respond, right? And they, yeah, you know, yeah, this is yeah. the first time Chris did a DA, I think, or like a or a significant one that went to the three digits that I can remember. He got paid, which is awesome. He got paid, which is great, but it's like perception of performance is also a big indicator or factor in future performance. Yeah, I think like the point I was going to make though is like as long as his work continues to be awesome, it's not going to really matter as much. Like the DA might get to a lower tier. But it will still yeah. mint out and possibly not at the top tier of 100. But you're also seeing people not being able to make profit because they gassed. And between that and the royalty, they're not netting out. Whereas with some of the cheaper mints, like we saw with you know, some of the projects that didn't make our top five, I'm thinking like Tima by Christine Hall, which was a five Tes mint that was minted out in a single block and now is like sitting in 150 Tes. Like the multiple that you're getting on that is huge. So it just kind of lets you spin the wheel over and over and over again. It's also those smaller drops too. Like the mm-hmm. smaller addition counter drop is, the easier it is for someone who has the ability to get 10 in a block, like the more powerful, like the more proportionally powerful like their collecting ability is. If we've talked about it off and on the last year of like artists experimenting with the virtually uncapped minting for a certain period of time, like right, like setting it to 5,000 additions and then burning after a day or burning after three hours as another way to combat that. If you find ways either through pricing or through burning mechanisms like that to dilute the power of assisted minting, then it discourages that behavior. Would Christine Hall's drop have been nearly as attractive at 510 if you knew that there might be 700 or 7,000 of them out there to someone who's scripting? Like probably not. Exactly. But suffice to say that Kima was the first big or one of the big like quote unquote flipping flops because it was a flip flop. Of the week. Great piece though. I actually like the art. Great a lot. piece. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, <laughs> like, I think that this was a huge step up from, you know, their prior piece, Tangentum, for sure. Just in terms of the variety of composition, the use of colors. I think that the good outputs on this are like, I'm doing a lot of like chef's kiss gestures right now. Talk me out of buying number 42 right now for 118.9, let's call it 119 Tez. This one feels really good to me. Am I wrong on this one or is this one like sick? It's sick, but you should put an offer on it Oh yeah. instead of okay. buying it. Yes. Oh, I see it. This person's relisted it multiple times. Yeah. Yes. They, uh, I think, got four. That would be my financial advice to you. That's a good idea. And I think that for anybody who's looking to buy, putting offers on the market is a really, really smart idea. You know, people will be looking to exit from the project with as much liquidity and tact as they can. But that is all to say that it was slow secondary at first. There were just a couple of collectors really getting in. And some people were able to get good deals um, on really, really spectacular mint prices because there was so much undercutting. Uh, I'm specifically looking at Mage, who is able to uh, pick up number 56, for granted, uh, 180 Tez, which that was the floor at the time. It is just one of the most beautiful mints that 
I think is in the series. It's like very much more full bodied. You're getting a lot more of like this swirling blue and reds together and rather than having so much of that black background. So I think this is a really great expression of the algorithm. Pat also always just seems to have insane mints. Like I'm just looking at number 31 here, which he has listed for 10,000 Tez and rightly so. What an insane output. And I think this is one of the things I really like about this project more than the others. These just kind of emergent, it feels less on rails than the last one did to me. It felt like the other one, it was a little too constrained and you Mm -hmm. weren't getting enough of this variety. And I think by adding this variety, it also moves it away from some of those comparisons that were being made to like Kubibi with the last one too. This is still very Kubibi-like. I I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. It is, but I think that thin line and some of the palettes, but I think it's moving away in the right direction. I think it's becoming Mm -hmm. more of its own thing. Like some of these definitely I would... don't think you would ever compare to a Quibibi. Yeah. They're just too far away. And that's good. Yeah. Other ones I want to call out include number three, which is again, more of like that full screen look. What about 275? Whoa. Well, I need to get to 275. Is it listed? It's listed for 500. 275 is crazy. Really? You think that 275 is crazy? But you know what it is? The, the, the thing that I'm really liking, I'm noticing every single one is like highly zoomed, but just that eye mm-hmm. feel, especially as a thumbnail, as like one of the set, right? as an iteration, yeah. like compared to some of the other ones and just like seeing this, it just pops when, I, when I'm scrolling through. But I guess you don't like it. Yeah. You think it sucks. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it sucks. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think the the one thing because about this project is that it's one of those ones that might suffer because there are like objectively better outputs than others. I don't know how cohesive it feels. It's, it's such a wide range. I wouldn't necessarily put some of these into like the same collection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just from a, a unification perspective. I don't know if that matters, right. but it, this is something where instead of making this 300, I mean, if it's so broad and varied, just go big and make it 2000, right? Exactly what you were saying before. I guess if you looked at these highly zoomed in ones, like the ones I've been calling out against some of the really zoomed out ones, like the typical ones are, are pretty zoomed out and you get more of this like mesh, kind of like wavy mesh thing. They don't necessarily side by side feel connected. But if you did have so many more outputs than maybe also the ability to collect multiple and kind of tell the story of like how one goes to the other, you know, or how and these all came from the same algorithm curate. emerges. Yep. This also yeah. has a huge number of features and palettes. And so you would be able to express that over a much larger range. Like mm-hmm. I think the most of any palette that exists is five. Mm-hmm. So you can just extrapolate from there. I don't know. That would just have been my recommendation, but you know, artistic choice, right? Counts for something. Uh, should we talk about trust? And you know, we already mentioned it from Chris McCauley. Yes. It was 365 editions, a Dutch auction, starting at 100, going to 50. There were about, what, a quarter of them reserved. So people are going to get them at 50 Tez. The Dutch auction went out at 85, but a lot of people took it at 100. I'm assuming there was gas and assistance used on this one, as we already noted. How do you feel about this one, Trinity? I think it's uh, Chris's best work yet by a pretty fair margin. Yeah, I'm thinking back to our interview with him and he was talking a lot about trying to get into this, like, you know, create digital paintings, right? And this feels definitely like a breakthrough piece in that direction. The colors feel more metallic to me, Mm -hmm. you know, not like traditional paint. It's almost like painting with like heavy metals. When As you watch it animate, which is super pleasing, like you can see that this underlying code he's working with, if you flip some things, this could probably just do that impressionistic painting thing too. Interesting choice to go with these colors, like definitely very bold. I agree. It's certainly like a huge level up from him. 
I just don't love the scribbles <laughs> on top of it. I don't know. How do you feel about them? I actually hadn't really noticed them as much. Mm. I think that maybe the scribbles, if they could be toggled on or off, maybe that would make you happy. I think that they actually kind of add some sort of depth. Some of them I don't like. I like the idea of having scribbles, but I think yes. that the way that they're executed, it it feels like not necessarily like classically generative, but maybe a little bit more like I created some code for a smiley face scribble. Let me put that here. So those are the ones that I don't get. Just like the etchings across the page. That's cool. That's cool. Right. So doing some like geometric etching, scratches, giving it some wear and tear to add to the texture. Totally get that because some pieces end up forming with like a lot of empty space, which I don't personally mind, but I can see how you might want to put something in there to kind of add to the piece. But then when it's like the arrow, the starburst, the umbrella, that is the stuff that's kind of like, I, I don't get those. Yeah. I happened to mint one that had a uh, etching overdrive true. <laughs> so it has like, it's absolutely covered. It's like one of 14 that rolled that. And so it's like absolutely covered in these etchings, which is kind of cool in its own way because then they start to overlap and like, it's a lot harder to see those shapes. But that's like the only thing to me that was like, oh, why? Why is there this flower here? Everything else about it is fantastic. And like, I really want to see him now keep pushing that he's like unlocked this new shaders, man. New shader thing. Yeah. Whatever he's doing here. It just looks awesome. And I really do like the expression of the colors as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels almost like not chemical spills in the way that we talked about it with like Turner Light, where it's like that was more like gasoline expanding over across like a liquid surface. This feels like chemistry class where you're finding what happens when you mix phosphorus with I I don't freaking know calcium. We'll just put some <laughs> stuff out there. Yeah, what um, sounds dangerous? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, super just psyched on this one and super happy for Chris on the success of it and you know, super down on the assisted minters who monopolize this one a little bit. There's still a lot for sale. 130 and you know the floor is kind of approaching that bottom tier of people who had reserves minted it's down to 65 probably one to kind of revisit in the future i feel like we'll see more and more undercutting definitely all right so this next one i don't know the story of this i think it happened kind of like overnight or i just i never even saw it and all of a sudden it hit and then it was gone and then it was just in the sales feed yeah so do you know much about this one so this one that we're talking about it's digital expression by playman which had been in the feed for I think a couple of days and running up to it, there was a little bit of run on uh, one of Playman's earlier works, Holy Mountain. I don't think we talked about Holy Mountain at all, not even as a shout out, but it's like a very cool atmospheric piece. Kind of has like a glitched mountain feel. Kind of. One of our original faves. Okay. So then what was the story with the most recent one? Like, I'm sure I saw this in the queue, but maybe I just never clicked in because of the thumbnail choice here. So I clicked in and I was just playing with variations and noticing that it kind of has like a lot of the classically like coveted traits that we like. It has a ton of different variations like across the board. And as you look through everything that's in the collection, like there might be some things that you see are repeated patterns, but everything feels very fresh. There's like this grainy textured quality that people on the FX hash community really like. Between that and the Holy Mountain movement, I think that this is something that was also pretty much targeted. It went in a single block, which is oh, really? insane. Yeah. So this is one there that must have been the, some um, reserves here because I see some people got it at seven, but then did it go out at twenty eight then with gas? Yeah, it, there were um, some reserves. 
Interesting. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised, I guess. Yeah, it was a total of 2,000 gas spent on this project. Um, you needed wow. to gas at least five to get, and some people gassed as much as 30. What do you think of it, though, now that you kind of see a lot of it? I don't get the action on it, I guess. I mean, I don't dislike it, but I just don't understand why this one in particular blew up. I have to ding it for number 36 and 37 being basically identical. Lamond, I looks like bought them both. Maybe he liked that aspect of it. But to me, that's not a pro. That's a con. So yeah, like looking through more and more, like, you know, you pointed out, like you do see some repeated patterns. Like it's definitely very template-y. Yeah. You get a literal repetition two in a row there, which is a bummer to me. Um, yeah. I like the ones that kind of look like euphonics though. <laughs> like number 76. I thought you might like, yeah. I like that, but I could also just get a euphonics for a third of the price. So I don't know. I think it's really surprising to me that this one blew up. I don't dislike it. I just don't understand where the hype came from compared to other projects that kind of do this, why this one took off. Actually, if you look at what Lamont got, he has seven pieces for a cost basis of thirteen eighty nine. He also got number 14, which is similar to 36 and 37. And then 42 and 69 are also relatively <laughs> the same. But maybe that's like a thing that he's going for. I don't know. I think Maybe. there's just something about like the the texture that's involved. Yeah, I think that the way it's created, it shows like really good taste, I would say. And I'd say the same thing for Holy Mountain as well. And maybe that's something that people are responding to. Iskra bought one. I mean, it has very strong Iskra feels. Some of them do. Yeah, the very minimal ones. Well, it's like the sketchiness in some respects. And like, I think the, there's a little bit of play with, sort of a play with light. Uh, not mm -hmm. as much as she uses, but comparing this to like an uninhabitable. Did you consider getting in? It sounds like you like it a lot more than I do. Well, I would have considered trying to mint it, but if it I wasn't would... taken from you <laughs> by assisted individuals. Yeah, basically, this is one of those things where it's the difference between minting is fun and buying on the secondary at a hundred tez is a lot less interesting to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if I'm getting in at that price point, would I rather have that or would I rather have an eyeshadow roses or something else by an established artist that, you know, I want to really support and it's something that I feel like is not going to be seeing a decreasing floor. So that's actually something that I think about a lot now when it comes to minting at higher prices or picking up on the secondaries. Is there another project that I've been thinking about that I would rather spend this Tez on? Something that I think we all need to think about <laughs> more. Because I definitely find myself as I get Tez, like all of a sudden forgetting or having amnesia for the projects that I've been talking about that I want to buy and then I'll, and like going after the shiny new stuff and wanting to mint and trade like that. This one's uh, over 100% flipped. So it's had 86 secondary sales and there's still 48 listed. That's so crazy. It's, it's, I mean, congrats to Playman though. It's a big breakthrough for them, obviously. And I think that, as I said, yeah, they have really good taste. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that. To me, just some of the similarities are just too, it's just too much of a turnoff for me. I'm thinking back to like December of last year, if we saw 36 and 37 like that, people in price discussion would be like melting down and like calling the mods, you know, <laughs> and like saying like, this is like in violation of, you know. They're like, very, they're distinctively different. I can look at them and see that they're different pieces. Looks like the bots got paid on that one, so good for them. Yeah. And what's this last one here? Another project in which the uh, the bots got paid. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Tebide. 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 You don't pronounce the e with French. I didn't know they had those umlauts in French over the i. I've never seen that. Me neither, to be honest. This is the Genesis project for an artist named Antonio Worley. And this is a very modest 100 edition piece with a Dutch auction that started at 15, going down to three. It was botted in two blocks. 
and I saw also a huge explosion on the marketplace with a highest secondary sale of 420 Tez, current floor of 169 bots got paid. And I think that this was a really interesting piece. You know, I was looking at it as something to track in the Dutch auction to see where it might start going out at because it's very simple. It's a door with a shadow and then a person with a shadow, usually with a line and some grain. Super simple. Very. To me, this kind of has Willard vibes. Definitely in the grain and the color choice. And like just kind of like the composition of it, you know, where it is so simple and kind of like pseudo isometric. It's definitely a weird one for the platform. Very. I mean, I think we've seen stuff that's been super sparse and conceptual like this. We haven't always seen it take off. This one did, which is cool. I don't know. I mean, I guess I just had to put this in the column of I don't get it, but I'll just have to trust that other people do get it <laughs> and, and like it. Are you getting it and liking it? Or are you kind of like, it's cool? It's cool. Like, yeah. I, it's something that I would have loved to mint and, you know, mint as many as possible, sell to cover and then hold the rest. LeMond and also Surfer Drew, they got in to collect one of each palette. And right, I think I that's that. something that kind of helped continue to drive up the price which only two sets possible because there's only two that rolled with the yellow background so they're the only two that have that yeah so i think that this is like a very like atmospheric project just Mm -hmm. in its absolute simplicity so we'll see what else this artist has coming out definitely it's cool i mean yeah this is their first project in fx hash but they've been putting stuff out in object for about a year so i mean we always love seeing new people come over i think the texture is awesome like mm-hmm. it, you can't you can't tell it so much from the thumbnails as they go by in uh, the sales feed, but just looking at them a little bit bigger, that texture in the background definitely does add a little bit more. And some of the compositions are surprisingly effective. I could see this having been a curated piece, also, right, with like mm-hmm. three or four really good outputs on object, but probably wouldn't have had the same Tez impact for the artist. Like, I definitely think there's an allure to bring projects over here on FX Hash where there is so much volume and attention. Mm-hmm. Can't fault the artist for doing that, of yeah. course. It's like, we'll see. Maybe I'll come around to this one more over time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what else the, the artist does. And, you know, I yeah. think that's something that we always have to wait and see. And just calling out some of the compositions, like number 67, you know, where there is just a person, no door. Yeah, what happened? It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get your door, man. I kind of like the ones where the guy and the door, or the monolith are very close together. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a little more that that juxtaposition. That's kind of cool. Well, I guess I want to ask you, did you look at some of the responses to the tender tweet thread? Yeah. What do you think about, you know, biker jumping in and anaglyphic jumping in and defending or justifying the use of these tools? Okay. So I think there are a couple of things, right? One is the defense of the use of those tools. The tools are out there. Anybody can use them. You know, I think we've talked about this in other contexts where it's not necessarily like can you use it? Yeah, absolutely. But it's like this should you. What is our social contract that we have? Yeah. Not just a smart contract. I, I was trying to think of an analogy. Like what's a shitty thing that I could do that <laughs> I just wouldn't do? Like I could go to a soup kitchen and just eat Get a free all meal. this all the time. You could not tip, right? You're not legally yeah. required to tip at a restaurant, but you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we talked about this with the royalties conversation, right? It's a little bit adjacent, yeah. It feels scummy. It feels against like the ethos. I mean, maybe it is within the Web3 ethos, but it's like kind of against what we're trying to do as like an artistic community. space. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the other part to respond to, right, is the, well, what's the difference between this and any other sort of gated community, like like a tender pass, right? Or a GM DAO or any of the ETH communities that do their own drops to reward their pass holders, right? Yeah. Do you have a take on that? I, I kind of have a take on that. I think we probably have a similar take. What's your take? From my perspective, the difference is that artists are opting into those dynamics from the get-go. They know that their drop is only going to be available either fully or partially to people who hold those passes and just full buy-in, full transparency. Like, yeah, this is going to be a tender drop. Yeah, this is going to be a GM DAO drop. Yep. Uh, this is going to be a Grailers drop. From the outside, sometimes unfortunate, right? And you're like, oh man, I wish I can't quite afford that pass. Or like, oh, I really like that artist. I'm kind of bummed. I guess it'll have to be the secondary. Or I'll have to skip this one. I think that's something that we struggle with all the time. I guess just collecting on FX hash too is like sometimes you miss the mint. Sometimes it's too expensive. Like a lot of the pieces from Cure 3 were just too expensive for me. I would have had to spend my entire stack minting and then immediately sell. And it's like that to me didn't feel in the spirit of the event, you mm -hmm. know, to like spend my entire stack minting one Marcelo and then trying to get plus 200 Tez out of it. In those cases, at least the artists know what they're signing up for and they can have a chance to tell their community either collectors like, hey, if you want it, consider joining or otherwise don't worry, there'll be more stuff for you. Here it's kind of like all of us are kind of at the whim of what these tool-assisted users decide they want to go for or decide not. And then artists can try to compensate as best as possible, but they also have to balance other factors. Like maybe you don't always want to make your drops these really high Dutch auctions. Like maybe you want to make something that's a little bit cheaper so new fans can come in and have like accessible drops and you don't want to be punished for that because scripters monopolize half of it and start mm -hmm. flipping. Like It kind of makes me think of simple things when Marcella dropped that and it was so cheap and it got really heavily flipped. And it was like, even he was kind of surprised. He was like, I didn't drop this for it to mm -hmm. be flipped or be valuable. I dropped it because I thought it was fun and I wanted new people to be able to get stuff. And the community kind of ruined it, <laughs> kind of ruined yeah. it, you know? So I guess it's like a multi-part thing too, but it's just like also like a lot of these projects that get this heavily flipped, be it through scripting or other, or just naturally also just tend to carry like really bad floors for a long time and it sucks yeah. because sometimes the art is really good and it, it, i'm sure it's a bummer for the artist too even if they get paid in the primary it's like geez like i thought this project was good people bought it why are so many listed and the reason often is because like far too many people minted it opportunistically and not out of mm -hmm. like, enjoyment for the piece uh, do you yeah. i'm sure you've got some stuff to add or <laughs> maybe no, you can I mean, help I, me cut, I, can be more concise with my points here no, I, I think that you really have it in one. And I think that our takes are really just aligned around like the spirit of things and that difference between the tools versus a pass, especially now that some of these tools are going to be gated behind a pass. In which case, like, what's the difference? You're just kind of not necessarily a paid alpha community, but a paid market making community. And obviously, yeah. I understand that these people are taking on risk, as we saw with trust and Kima. But ultimately, just kind of making things less fun for the rest of us. And especially if and when Tezos blocks change from 30 seconds down to 15 seconds, in which case the amount of time that you have to execute a wallet transaction, especially if you're looking to use gas, checking to see how much gas you need to use, and then actually inputting it, it becomes a huge game changer. I hadn't even thought about that, the block yeah. time thing. And I think with, in terms of like from an artist's perspective and what it's like seeing so many flipped, that's something that maybe we should ask people the next time that we have them on. We've seen that with uh, a lot of the artists that we've talked to already. Like I know that when we released our collaboration with Jaris on the poster and the four-way collaboration, five-way collaboration that we had with everybody, like the drop before that, it was really fast mint out. 
and then immediately sunk below four. But I was like, I don't care. This is awesome. We sold out. I think it would be nice if people had put like a little more value on those tokens, especially considering the ones that we brought like real artists in to, to work on. But also it's like people mint those tokens to support us and primarily the support is the primary. We've actually seen the floors on like the Jerez posters go up like quite a bit. And, and also even it. recently the others too. Yeah, like a big sale, like a hundred tes, right? But then you see the royalty and it's like five tes. It's like, okay, well, that's good. When you're on a five on a five way split with somebody. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. But yeah, I think for us, I was never disappointed that those got flipped because the point was to, to support us. And we're not trying to build a career off tokens. Yeah. Other artists are. I thought Anna's response to me was kind of interesting. Something about it didn't sit right, but I'm not really sure. I have to think about it more, but let me pull up. Building a botnet takes skill and work, not capital. Yeah. So yeah. So Anna replied saying that they're in agreement with NFT Biker, that buying a pass to get reserved access is just giving a premium to existing capital. Building a botnet takes skill and work. Therefore, that skill and work in building that botnet should be rewarded. But it doesn't take skill and work to use the botnet that somebody else created. Right. So there's that part of it, especially if like they're charging for it. And also Tender is a platform that was created to provide value to the generative art community as a whole. Yeah. There is talent and work that's going in to create it and all the feature functionality that's there and also the collaborations themselves. Yeah. There's work that goes into those collaborations when a project takes like five months to make. It's not because... AJ Bernie's not doing anything. <laughs> There's a reason that those projects take a long time. If there was no collaboration in it, the, then we would just have a, probably a tender drop a week, you know, and we would just be like, yeah. hey, artists, if you want to come drop something through tender, do it. But it's not like that. Like these are projects that start from scratch that are very collaborative. And then I guess that the third thing is just like you're doing work, but also no one's like asking you to build the botnets in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, or release them to the public. Just yeah. use them yourself, right? I guess in theory, like we've had this problem for a long time most notably back in like December when things were super hot and you could tell that people were doing some scripting, you know, the um, Lunarian drop. Solus. Yeah. Solus was like notoriously attacked by scripted wallets, but um, there wasn't that proliferation then. It wasn't like, which service do you want to use? And now it kind of feels like a year later, people are finally opening these things up and maybe they'll just like self-destruct against each other. If everyone's really bad at using them, like maybe that's the most optimistic take is like, the more these tools get out there, the more opportunity there is for people to misuse them and mm -hmm. lose money. And I think it also depends on the um, revenue model that they use. For example, right. if, if NFT Biker is just selling a one-time pass, that's just one-time payment. But if there are other ones that maybe use a price per mint type of model. Or a monthly, yeah. Yeah. Price per mint, I think, would be pretty interesting, but also carries the bigger risk for the minters. I think it's something that we're going to have to keep talking about. And it'll also be interesting to see if like FX hash the platform response and takes a stance on it. I think they retweeted the tender thread, but maybe they'll have, they'll have some more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think their, their official stance is price work higher. Which I think is like a solution 80% of the time. But if you're a new artist where you don't have any sort of following. You kind of have to price work a little bit low. I mean, I, I feel like for someone like Christine Hall, who did their first two jobs here at 510, like having them blow up. I think that's like a really important part of establishing yourself on FX hash. And it's having a five test drop that goes to a hundred is a lot from a market optics standpoint than having yeah. a 100 test drop that stays at a hundred, even though they're both at a hundred, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's just that weird balance of psychology that artists also have to like consider 
maybe they don't have to, maybe they often don't, but maybe you should start considering. But it's also understanding the different tools that you have at your disposal, like Dutch auctions. Like yep. that's a huge thing that you can do. And even if you're a brand new artist and you're trying to sell something for zero, why not just have a Dutch auction that starts at five and makes its way down to zero? I think we've seen people do that in the past and just mm-hmm. as a way to kind of extract value where you can. And if your resting spot is the resting spot, it's not going to hurt you either way. You know, between that and if you're using flat pricing, maybe put in more reserves for collectors, friends, family, whatever. And then as you already mentioned earlier in the episode, testing out with the burn mechanic, because why not? I want to see the burn mechanic come back in a big way. I get why artists don't use it. Like, first of all, it's not, I don't think it's like something that you can natively program in. You have to kind of like be aware that you can do this and that this exists. It's not something suggested to you. There's risk, of course, in doing it, but (laughs) there's also just risk in having your drop monopolized by bots and then just a perpetual 60% on the market too. So I guess you got to weigh which one you'd rather have. Zancan virtual open edition, 10,000 edition, burn after two hours. Let's go. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be very cool. So, I mean, a lot of artists, it would be very cool to see them execute. Like someone like Landlines, I could see executing on something like that, right? So Yeah. This is a long episode. It's a long episode. <laughs> I think we've done a good job kind of talking about the botting thing. It wasn't a formal segment, but we kind of jumped in and out of it. Expect more index updates in the future, especially a few weeks from now when it's like a little more robust in terms of data collection. Are we looking forward to anything? I think not um, that we're aware of. <laughs> looking forward to next week and recording again with you. <laughs> Hell yeah. And some more interviews that we'll be recording. Uh, we just recorded one with the Mprops, two of the Mprops founders, Emil and Ira, talked about oracles and all that. So that's going to be a fun episode coming out towards the end of the month. Look forward to that. Is that it? Are we good? We're good. Well, we'll catch right. you on the flip side. Have all fun, right. folks. Yep. Have a good week. Later, everyone. Bye.